Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Combo Drop. Let's kick it off. So, the podcast is late. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry about the delay in all this. In all honesty, it... College just came in like, surprise, motherfucker. Like, seriously, the entirety of college has been very confusing for the first two weeks. And there's a reason behind that. So, I have two examinable units. One of them is coding, and the other one is project management. And project management, you have to basically run a... um, a theoretical project. It's it's theory, all theory work. So basically, I'm running a project for a theoretical company that does not exist, but in this example, it does. So for this test one that we're doing to get us used to doing, you know, uh, all the stuff that you have to do for a project management um, type of thing, right? We weren't given the information necessary. That we would have been given in the exam. So I was there for the first week. Like the hell. So the first document we got given. Was a project. Um, what's it called now? It's a PID. Um, that is, it, so what PID stands for. Is project. in. Uh, fuck, I can't pronounce the word. Initiation. That's it. Project initiation document. So. This is like all the stuff that you'll put, you know, the structure sheet. So who's above you, who's below you, and where your place is. You also put stuff like um, a checkpoint thing, your budgeting, which is your budgeting, which is your budget sheet, your Gantt chart. Now, that was a confusing bit. What the fuck is a Gantt chart? So what Gantt chart is, is basically... A chart saying you're going to do task A between the 31st of February to March 13th. You know, it's it's basically the schedule of when or what task should be done. And trying to create one for a very long time was a pain in the ass. Because for this task that we were given, right, to do this entire project management. Um, the example for this theoretical thing was Queen Bee, which is a honey producing farm, and they wanted a IT system. But the problem is, IT system can mean fucking anything. And that's the issue. Because we weren't told what type of IT system it was, we were all scrambling around trying to figure out what type of one it is. The teacher said that, oh, you just make it up. But there's like a myriad of ones to choose from. So I decided to go with cloud, the cloud-based, a cloud-based IT system. Now a cloud-based IT system is actually a good idea for me because I use the cloud for a lot of my work. I use it for all my documentations for, you know, college, but I also use it for my photography. So it's a great thing for me. And one thing I learned about actually setting up a Gantt chart is that Peter McKinnon, 
Chris Howe, Becky and Chris, no one who actually talks about setting up a photography shoot or setting up a film shoot. No one ever fucking talks about a Gantt chart. No one actually does. And that's a, that's so annoying because if you actually use a Gantt chart, it will actually help you a lot. Gantt charts are actually surprisingly useful. Now the reason why a lot of people don't use them is because you have to use Excel. And we all know how we, how we always Excel. But when people accidentally open it, it's like the end of the world. Oh, fuck, fuck, no, 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 no. I just opened Excel, what the fuck am I doing? The fuck? Like, that's like everyone's reaction when you first accidentally open Excel in school or at, at work. Like, you don't know how to use Excel. You don't know spreadsheets. Like, and that's the issue. With a lot of people not knowing how to use Excel, that's, that's kind of where the problem lies. If we know how to use Excel, if we know how to use Google Sheets, you know, all these spreadsheets applications, you know, I think the use of Gantt charts would have been so much better, especially for managing, you know, stuff like a photography shoot. And that's an issue that we need to try to address in the photography and video market. In the photography video communities on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and all that is an issue that we need to talk about. And I think I'm going to actually make a YouTube video about it when I'm actually able to. So, um, when it comes from that as well, I think, you know, this is definitely something that we need to address, right? Um, a Gantt chart does help a lot um, because when you're doing a photography shoot, you need to, first of all, if you're going to do it outside, you're going to need to, first of all, find a location, right? You then need to get the equipment ready, then you need to, uh, you know, get the person ready, and then you need to get everything sorted, editing and everything. I think having a Gantt chart for that type of stuff will actually be very helpful. Like, day in between the 14th of October to the, say, the 17th of October, you're doing editing, right, on the Gantt chart, but the project kicked off on some other time. You know, I think having these type of things being used in the photography sphere and the photography community, the video community, I think it would be very helpful. And it's sad to say that a lot of people don't actually use these type of things which are available. And that's, that's the very sad thing about it. Like a lot of people don't know how to actually use these applications, which could actually really help you. Because not everyone's technical in that aspect. But there's plenty of YouTube tutorials out there on how to use it and how to set one up. In fact, you could probably just download a template. But I guess that's where the issue lies, is the fact that people don't want to actually try. And, you know, it's, it's, it is an issue. And with something like a Gantt chart, you're going to have to do a lot more manual work to actually set it up. And I think that's probably where the, the problem lies. A lot of people are just too lazy to do it. I guess that's why software like Microsoft Projects is a thing because it automatically does it for you, whereas Excel, you have to do it all manually. And like everyone is either on Mac or Windows or, you know, Linux or Chromebook or something, something that's not, you know, a one system. You know, that's the problem with Microsoft Projects is the fact that it's only on Windows. So for me, as someone who uses a Mac, I have to do a Gantt chart in Excel. Which, you know, it's probably a better idea for me because 
if I know how to do it in Excel, it'd be easier to transfer that over to Google Sheets, and then I could use that on any other type of OS. I don't have to be, you know, locked into Windows. And I think that's the problem with using a Gantt chart for project management in photography or video communities is the fact that a lot of people don't understand on how how to actually manually do it. You know, the prop that's where the issue lies. A lot of people don't realize that in Excel you could do this. They think that oh you have to use a particular software to do it. You have to use Microsoft projects to you know make a Gantt chart. And maybe using Excel is just too much too much effort or it's like I'm not technically um, literate enough in Excel to actually do this. And it's a really it's a big shame, especially because a lot of these big creators are not talking about it. And, you know, I'm too small of a creator, but I am going to try. So I have made um, notes in my personal notebook about it. So let's see if we can actually... I'm going to see if I can actually get this done in time. Hopefully, if when the time comes that I actually, you know, get around to it and I actually get the video done that it's ready, ready for it, ready to be uploaded and seen by you guys. So if you guys have recently been, you know, following me on Instagram or YouTube, you probably know that I haven't been uploading a lot, especially on Instagram, because Instagram is my primary platform where I mainly put a lot of my photography content on. Um, you probably noticed that I've been very absent from Instagram as of late. And the reason behind that is because of my work, my part-time job, and college. So the issue is that a lot of the times after college, I have to go straight into work. And, you know, it's a little bit of a pain that, you know, I don't get time to just come home and relax. But, you know, I... I don't really have a lot of time and even when I don't have work after college I have to do college work at home because you know I'm doing an IT level 3 course and that does require a lot more of my time you know this course is equivalent to three A levels so it is quite a bit of work to be honest you know like I said in the last bit about the Gantt charts you know that's something that you would probably use in, you know, a proper office, uh, you know, somewhere like you would do marketing or something like that. A production company, most likely, like a professional one in maybe Hollywood or something like that. You know, it wouldn't be for like an indie type of production companies or a YouTube channel. You know, that's the type of thing that I'm trying to have to do and I'm trying to have to learn about and you know, those type of things I need to do before uh, I can do any of the YouTube content I do here. And that's the issue. You know, I have to focus a lot more of my time on my education than having to do YouTube. I don't want to, you know, forfeit all the time and effort I put into my education for a potential chance of being famous on YouTube or or um, Instagram. You know, and it's sad that I can't, you know, do both at the same time. So that's why I've been quite absent. And honestly, I just needed a slight break because a lot of the feelings I've been having lately is that 
my work isn't as great, I'm very, I'm being very sloppy with the work, so putting the camera down for a bit and just relaxing is, you know, it's, it helps because you're not focusing on that 24-7, you're not going to get burnout from that, and, you know, with this podcast as well, I have to sit down and talk about it, and I know it will be like an easy thing to do out of the day, but when you're trying to prioritize something else, as long with something that you need to get money, f- to get, um, you have to do something that you need to get money for, as well. That's an issue. You know, photography and video requires money, and I'm not earning money from any avenue of my photography. You know, I'm not earning money from the gun store. I'm not earning money from the podcast, I'm not earning money from YouTube, I'm not earning any of the money, I'm not earning anything from my creative outlets, you know, all the creative outlets I have, I'm not earning any money out of, even though I set it up, so I, I can't, like, I set it up, I set up the Gumroad store, where you can buy wallpapers and presets, but no one's buying anything, you know, those things are just up there, just not earning anything for me, so I have to go out and get an actual job where I can actually get money and then actually start funding more of my life on my own. I can't rely on my parents all the time. And I'm 19. I should be able to, you know, get my own job and earn my own money. I, sh- I should be able to do that. I might not have enough money to live on my own, but I should have enough money to at least fund my life while living at my parents' house. And that's something that I need to focus on. You know, not only do I need to focus on college and, you know, balancing college and work, but I also need to make myself more financially independent. You know, I'm starting to develop myself as a person and that has to come first. You know, my photography and video and even this podcast is something that I do hold dear. But sometimes I need to, you know, put these things to a side in order to develop and focus on something that is more important. You know, I could do this podcast whenever, and having to keep this on a schedule is something that I need to try to do, which is why I'm oftentimes doing this like on a weekly or for or on every fortnight. I'm uploading an episode of the podcast. So, when it comes down to this, it's really important that I have to try and prioritize certain aspects of my life. Hundred percent. You know. Like, you've seen so many times of people throwing away something when... Uh, you're throwing away something that is great for, that's going great for them at the moment for something that is up to chance. Like, look at that guy who quit his 100k a year job to work for Logan Paul. And what happened? The guy, the guy got rejected. Logan rejected him, and the guy lost a 100k job. Right? His salary was 100k. 100k a year, he threw it away to work with Logan Paul, and what what did he have? Nothing. And I don't want that to happen to me. I want to make sure that I'm financially stable for whatever comes, and I'm able to do this on the side when I'm able to. That's something that I need to try and do, and that's something that is important for me, and something that I need to make sure you know, it stays that way. Now, after college, 
you know, after this educational year has ended, I will be going off to university, which means that it'll probably be the same amount of time that I'm losing out for the podcast and my photography, but I might also gain some back, I don't know, you know, I have to wait till that time comes, but I have mentioned in previous episodes what I plan to do in university, and, you know, I I want to make sure that I have everything in place, so I have a stable life, I have everything I want to have in my life, I want to make sure that I don't have to face challenges again that I fa- that my parents faced, you know, raising me. I don't want to have to deal with that. I want to try and get a better life. And that's something that I know a lot of people could relate to. That's something that I'm trying to strive for. And, you know, this creative outlet stuff, you know, it's something that I do want to go, to be successful, but with anything that's creative, it's always up to chance. You know, not a lot of people, uh, not a lot of creative people, are known very well. Some of them are very indie. Some of them are just very deep down. Like I'm on on Instagram, I'm considered a nano creator, a nano influencer, and that's because I have and over a hundred subscribers, a hundred followers, right? And that's why. I don't really have enough of a following base to be known. I don't have enough of a following to get sponsors, you know, to make money off all this. I don't have that. So I need to make sure that I have, you know, I have something more realistic in mind, something more stable set up that, you know, if anything happens, I have that to rely on, to rely on, I have something stable, that's something that I want to make sure is in place before trying to make money off this creative outlet type of stuff, if in this influencer stuff is great and all, but it is honestly up to chance for everything you do, you know, one day you might be, you know, one of the biggest follower. You have the biggest following base ever. You have, you make so much money, but what? But something happens that you have no control over, and whoof, boom, everything gone. You know, maybe you know the platform that you work on, that you put all the work to, acts like for some reason there's a bug in the, in the flagging system in the algorithm. And your channel ends up going kabloom. You know, everything gone. Sometimes that type of stuff happens. Especially with YouTube. We, um, I'm sure you guys all know about the demonetization thing that happens to every YouTuber. Especially if they review films or games or anything to do with other creative outlets. You know, especially, react- especially with uh, reaction YouTubers. I know they get copyright striped and demonetized all the time. So this type of realm of influencer is very dangerous and it's not a completely stable thing to have. Well, yes, you do have previous content which can drive, you know, can drive money for you. You know, it it builds up over time because of people watching it, but it's not guaranteed. You know, not a lot of people would watch old videos. You have to be constantly creating 
you know, for this to be feasible. And we've seen a lot of times with people having burnout. And, you know, that's not something that seems, that's not something that I want to try and have forever. You know, I do want to have a good following, you know, at least enough where I I could earn money from this, but it won't if be to the point where I could burn out and then, you know, I have nothing. That's not something that I want. So I'm trying my best with this right now to make sure that everything is is stable, everything there, and I can do this and not worry. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like this is something that I'm trying to prioritize, and it's a part of the reason why I've been absent from photography and video. You know, all this type type of stuff I'm, I I want to do. I've been absent for because I want to try also have a backup plan for whatever happens. And it's also because I just don't have, I didn't have the drive at the time to make great content. And the content that I was given out was not up to standard. And that was the issue. So during my time being absent from all my creative outlets, I've rekindled an old hobby of mine when I was a kid. So growing up, I used to play a trading card game a lot. And I I loved this trading card game. This trading card game was Yu-Gi-Oh! So I used to watch the anime series a lot. So I watched a bit of the original. I watched all of the English dub for GX. All of the English dub for 5Ds growing up. I watched a bit of Zexel, but after that, I kind of fell out a bit. But I fell back in love with the trading card game. And during this time, you know, being away from everything, it's really made me think about what's changed over the years for me. And that's something that I guess will happen to a lot of people when they rekindle an old joy of this. I don't understand why I dropped out from Yu-Gi-Oh! I I honestly don't know why. Um, But now that I'm back into it, it's actually quite fun. So I've been using this thing called Dueling Nexus, which is basically a Yu-Gi-Oh! simulator. Now the great thing is, Konami officially announced that they will be making an official Yu-Gi-Oh! simulator based off the trading card game. So all other times of having Yu-Gi-Oh! games, they were all based off the anime series. So the original Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, 5D, Zexo, Arc 5, Vase, Frames, I think it's called, and Sevens, which is the current one, um, the, all the other previous Yu-Gi-Oh! games have been off that. There's never been one truly based off the actual card game. And this is the first time we're actually getting an official Yu-Gi-Oh! simulator where you can actually play against other Yu-Gi-Oh! players, other duelists. You know, this is something that's going to be fun. It's going to be available on everything. PlayStation, Xbox, PC, Switch, mobile. It's going to be super fun. Um, Also, during the time I was absent, I started up playing Genshin. (laughs) Yeah. I've been playing Waifu, the video game. 
So Genshin Impact is, it was originally a knockoff of Breath of the Wild, but it eventually evolved into its own popular game. And playing it, I honestly could see this running on the Switch. Now, the company who makes it, uh, MiHoYo, I believe it's called, um, they announced a copy for the Switch. They announced a Switch version, but it's taken its time. Now, the reason why they say they said, oh, it's, t- it's, it's not coming very soon, is because of the low-power hardware of the Switch. But here's the thing. That's understandable if they're porting the PC version or the PS4 version of the game to it. But the game's on mobile. It's on Android and iOS. So what, why is that possible for those but not for the Switch? Even people who have hacked the Switch and put Android on an SD card and have the OS run off that you know, having Android run off an SD card, managed to get the game running, and it actually works. It's actually playable. So I don't understand why a game company like MiHoYo, who deals with a lot of mobile hardware, right, they deal with mobile hardware all the time, can't deal with a mobile console like the Switch. Like the chipset on the Switch is not... You know, it's not something that's proprietary. It's available on Android. This, like, Nvidia Shield TV, like the Nvidia Shield TVs have the same chipset. So there's no reason why the Nintendo Switch doesn't have Genshin. They could simply just take the Android version of the game, rework it a little bit to make it work. And the last time I checked, the engine that Genshin's running on is also a, a public one. I believe it's Unity or is it... I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's Unity. Because a lot of mobile games tend to use Unity as the engine. But it could be Unreal. But those engines are supported on Switch. And yeah, I just quickly googled it now. Genshin uses Unity. Unity is one of the most compatible engines on Nintendo Switch. There's literally no reason why the game isn't available. So why is is it not available right now? Simply because it's a game which is a service. You know, this they're constantly creating new content and on the side they're developing the Switch. The Switch version of the game is being developed on the side. So most likely, they're slowly are slowly developing it, making sure that you know everything works correctly. You know, because we don't. No one wants a cyberpunk, right? Nobody wants that, right? Like we have a trailer for Genshin on the Switch, which was the reveal trailer, which was you know on which is on YouTube. By the way, it's on YouTube that they they announced it. But we haven't seen anything from them. We I don't think there's been much in terms of gaming news for Genshin on Switch, and it's it's a it's a pain. It's a hundred percent a pain in the ass. That's not on the Switch. But good thing about it is Genshin does have cross saving abilities. So if you 
um, set up an account on PlayStation, PC or mobile. Just make sure that you link your accounts together and you're sorted, right? So that's what I've done. I've set up an account on PlayStation mobile and mobile and simply just linked it all up, right? That's what I did. So now when Genshin does release on Nintendo Switch, I just have to play a little bit towards, um, you know, towards the first uh, wave. And then after that, I can literally pick off where I left off. It's, it's annoying that the account linking isn't like Epic's where you simply just go to the website, link your account, and it just sends you to an account portal where you just log in with that account details. Sadly, it's not like that. Um, it's a bit annoying, but, you know, it still works and it's good. You know, I honestly prefer the way Epic did it. But, you know, I'm guessing because this is a company that primarily did a lot of mobile games and just recently, you know, doing PC and console, it's, prob it's probably the reason why. You know, before Genshin, um, MiHoYo's main flagship game was Honkai Impact. And that's probably why, you know, there's so many delays for this, because... They're not really used to a console like the Nintendo Switch, where you know you're docking it and you're you're playing it on the go. Like to be fair, a lot of games on the Switch don't really need to have you know a performance boost when docked. Um, if you simply just have it where it runs the same, both on handheld and docked, that'd be fine. And then later on, just update the game. No, I'm happy with that, especially with Genshin. You know, I'd be happy with that. But, you know, if you want to do it, do it. But I'm guessing that, that might actually be the reason why that the delay is occurring. Possibly because of the dock mode changing, you know, the clock speed and everything. So they might have to account for that. But other mobile games have made it to Switch. So, in all honesty, I don't know why they're taking so long. Uh, I know with uh, Gameloft Asphalt 9, that made it switch quite easily. Um, Bethesda's Elder Scrolls uh, Blades, that made it to switch, and that has cross-saving. So, it, it might just be because it's a mobile company and they haven't really dealt with a lot of console games. Game Off was lucky because, you know, they're, they're linked directly with Ubisoft. And they have worked with a lot of other, you know, game companies in the past. So that's probably what helped them out. And they have ported over to actual consoles in the past as well. So that might also be another reason why MiHoYo's is not experienced with this. is because they never did it before. It is annoying that, you know, a game that's generating a lot of revenue for them isn't available on a system that sold, like, over 9 million units. You know, it's slightly annoying that a big console like the Switch with a huge user base doesn't have, you know, the current big game. But, you know, it is what it is. 
And what's also annoying is the fact that streaming services haven't arrived yet. Currently, the only streaming services in the UK for the Switch is YouTube, Funimation, and Pokemon TV. They are the only streaming services on the, the Switch in the UK. In America, you guys are lucky because you guys got Hulu, a legitimate um, streaming service. So you guys got Hulu, Funimation, Pokemon TV, and YouTube. In the UK, we don't even have BBC iPlayer on the Switch. I've been contacting BBC iPlayer constantly throughout, you know, throughout the years, ever since I got a Nintendo Switch, and nothing happened. ITV Hub. Nothing all four, nothing my five, nothing Pluto TV, nothing Pluto TV of all things is not available on Switch, and that's available on PlayStation, Xbox, and every other console except the Switch. So I don't know what's happening with streaming services, but I hope when the Switch OLED arrives that they do arrive to the Switch. Because recently on the Switch we got an update and we finally have Bluetooth audio support. So if we have Bluetooth audio support now, hopefully when the Switch OLED arrives, more stream services will cut. But the, a lot of people doubt that, but I really am hoping that does happen. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you ever want to have questions answered, either tweet me on, on Twitter or message me on Instagram or just use the anchor message thing. You know, that's the easiest way to do it, right from the podcasting app. So all of the social media stuff will be in the show notes below. There will also be a Gumroad store if you guys want to buy presets or wallpapers. Catch you in the next one. Peace.